Welcome, everyone, to Mystery, a podcast about myths and history. I am one of your hosts, Bryant, with my permanent guest, Cammie. Hello, Cammie. Hey, Bryant. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm fantastic as well. Now, I have another impermanent guest. Uh, we just had one, but we've got a new one. Their, their audio is going to sound a lot better because it's Rob's. Hey, Rob's. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I am sublime. Thanks again for having me on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thank so you much for coming for being here. So Rob's, uh, you are, I, I said you're our, essentially our inaugural uh, podcast guest because our other peeps weren't like savvy in that, that area. So you, you have a podcast. Please tell us where you come from. So I come from the aquarium guys podcast. We have uh, been doing this for, I've been podcasting for over two years. This podcast has been going now for about a little more than a month, over a year. And it's been a lot of fun, a lot of success. We do weekly podcasts literally about aquariums. Even when uh, you uh, started researching, you're like, no, is that a euphemism? No, right, it's yeah. literal aquariums. That's and, yeah. When Cammy told me, I was like, okay, what's what like dirty joke is this going to be? And I was like, no, this is fish water. This is what yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, we uh, again, we do it weekly. We have uh, all different types of uh, experts and guests, doctors all on. It's a oh, lot of fun. Amazing. And we, we kind of compare it to uh, the, the recipe of uh, two parts um, fish experts uh, and fish information and uh, one part dick jokes. So it's a <laughs> lot of fun. You know, come see it. AquariumGuysPodcast.com. Yeah, please. That's excellent. It's absolutely hilarious. Please check it out. Yeah, no, it really is really, really great. So. Well, if, if you're new to mystery, if you're jumping in, uh, you know, mystery every week we jump in, we like to grab uh, random epics, legends, stories and tales. And then we'll, we'll try and pack that up into a story for you and then talk about some of the history or facts or whatever the hell we can find behind that. And because Rob's is here, he chose an excellent story. Uh, one that I had completely overlooked, but knew you you kind of know it so well, or you're aware of it. And that is the story of how the koi fish became a dragon. And this is a, a great, um, I'm sure like everyone who, you know, is, is like me and watched cartoons in the nineties and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it Magikarp, the Pokemon is what you're thinking of. And absolutely. That's what, that's what I thought of. of. Right, yeah. Mad Even yeah, in exactly. some of the, the video game lore, they, they wrote how they had to swim up a waterfall in a vault. Oh, that's really cool. Well, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll kind of, of get into that um, soon. But yeah, it's 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 a, I don't know. I, I never even really thought of like discussing on the show. So what a perfect way to bring this on than someone who really knows what a koi fish is too. So Rob, please uh, regale us with your story. Well, to start off with, I did listen to a couple of uh, the podcasts you guys have done in the past mm -hmm. and really love the the whole vibe doing uh, get, at least getting people their, their toes wet into a story because any like mythology, legend, man, that goes forever. And there can be stuff that's really popularized in pop, uh, pop culture, uh, stuff documented over time or even local legends. Like mm -hmm. even by me, aside from this story, I live in Minnesota and I have I'm right in the middle central part of Minnesota where central north part where mile per square mile you go 30 miles from my house there's no more lake uh, lakes anywhere else in the world so we mm -hmm. have our own legends you know besides the whole like American Bigfoot uh, tales uh, yeah. one on on our lake was uh, somebody caught a 44 um, pound 
Northern Pike. And the story was that it dragged him on the lake. There was a bunch of people on, watched the whole thing happen. They brought it in, got it sized record. It wasn't just this normal fish story. But then they said, where's mom? And they said, mom must have the eyes of saucers. So literally <laughs> me growing up as kids, I go to the nursing home. I'd say what lake I'm from. And all these old people will go, oh, you found saucer eyes yet? <laughs> that's great so i mean awesome. it's fun that you guys get to dip your toes into the a lot of these legends that people haven't yeah. heard or haven't heard and uh had to come on and make sure it's fish related damn it no that's great <laughs> i was uh, i'll y'all let you know and i'll let everyone know we're, we're planning on doing an atlantis episode soon so i'll try oh, and love it that's, that's the next like fish space thing we're gonna think of um, oh, that's gotta be a series there's be too much out there it's too yeah. big of a topic oh yeah oh yeah we know we <laughs> yeah, like, we've we've got so many articles. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Peter and I were like sharing them back and forth. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. <laughs> so we're to honest. prep for this this podcast, because I'm a person that's not necessarily well versed in legends, uh, mythology. I've found fascinating, but I mean, the only mythology I'm really decently versed in is, of course, a little bit Greek, thanks to like Disney and all that bullshit. Yeah. But uh, you know, Norwegian mythology, Beowulf, that whole thing. Yeah, and of yeah. course, you know, being a Vikings fan, being Norwegian, living in Minnesota, I have to be. But yeah. uh, this one, um, I, I try to do some homework, trying to see where that came from. And it's very hard to pinpoint where some of these legends start, mm -hmm. especially with this one, because the legend goes so far back and is told so many times throughout Chinese history mm -hmm. and even done through other Asian countries, honestly. But the uh, one that's popular, you know, dates back as far as we can find, you know, pottery documentation and it told many times is, of course, the legend of the koi fish. So the idea is in Chinese uh, lore and mythology, a lot of the mischievous uh, characteristics, things that happen, happen from demons. So, of course, it always starts with uh, demons and nature. So I'm just going to go from the, the top here. And this has been versed in many different places. Um, you can look up a lot more information from Next Day Koi. They're actually just a koi seller that likes to keep some koi history on for people that are oh, that wow. That's really interested. Cool. Um, I think we found the uh, same articles here, uh, Brian. So Legend okay. of the koi, koi Fish is one that predates written history. Uh, captures hearts and imaginations of people. And, you know, I, I try to confirm that. Honestly, I can't find anything that uh, has a hard date. They know it's at least, you know, the uh, 800 uh, BC as well. They can they can put it back to. But again, the Chinese legend tells of schooling fish shining and polished uh, shining like polished jewels. They make the long and difficult journey up against the mighty Yellow River. They reach an um, imposing waterfall that resigns simply to return the flow and went back the way they came. Some fish, however, are unfazed by the attempt and try to leap up the cascading water to make it to the top. One version of the legend says that local deities or demons, and that's, again, very common with uh, a lot of this Chinese mythology. Even like the movies, you see like Jackie Chan movies that always be like the demon and the dragon. Mm -hmm. Very, yeah. very common and all of that. Um, demons were drawn to the splashing. They see the determined efforts of the koi fish, and out of spite or cruelty, made the waterfall even higher. They didn't have the desired effect, Though um, undeterred, the koi redoubled their efforts to get to the top. So for a hundred years, the koi toiled against the odds. Finally, a single koi crests the top of the waterfall to make it to the river above. The gods who wit gods or demons who witnessed this. Um, hi, <laughs> sorry, we just had a guest. Uh, the gods who demons who witnessed this. Oh, now I lost my spot. 
Oh no. It's okay. Thank God for B-roll editing. Give me one moment. <laughs> You're fine. Get her back. Right. The guys who witnesses the class, uh, colossal colossal achievement rewarded the courageous fish for its uh, perseverance by transforming the koi into a golden dragon. The dragon now traverses the skies above, constantly seeking pearls of wisdom. As a result, the waterfall came known as the Dragon Gate. Any koi that summoned the strength, courage, and determination to swim against the tide through the gates is bestowed the same honor as the original fish who came over adversity. And yeah, this has been told many, many different times. As you can tell, even Pokemon picked it up. Yeah. To take one of the weakest Pokemon and turn it into one of the strongest. Right. Yeah. A lot of fun. I love I love that it's yeah, overcoming adversity. Like if, if adversity is me jumping up a waterfall for a hundred years, then yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. I'm <laughs> overcoming adversity. Oh, 100%. A, yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, no, that's that is the the in a nutshell, the story, but Cami, I know you've got a little something for us as well. Yeah. So piggybacking off of what uh, Rob's found, there is a Vietnamese legend that also uses this idea of the Koi becoming the dragon. And it's the myth of Ong Dao. Uh, the story begins with three mortal souls, each one combined to make a God who watches over the hearth and home. One of the people, a woodcutter, was married to a woman blessed with the gift of cooking. The two were greatly in love and would be happy for several years until the husband became obsessed with drink and began to lose business. He also became gradually violent with his wife, so he ran away. she ran away to the forest. She found a hunter who she fell in love with and eventually married. They lived happily for a while, but one day a beggar came to their home in the forest. The wife offered the man some food, but when he took off his coat and hat, she realized it was her previous husband. She tried to hide him from her new husband, but he came home too soon from his hunt and went into a rage at seeing this man. Oh, no. <laughs> the wife was so distraught that she committed suicide. The woodcutter was so overcome with grief at his ex-wife's death that he too committed suicide. Finally, the hunter, seeing the pain he had caused, joined them in death. When they died, the three formed into one body, that of a god, and they became the keepers of hearth and home. Every year, on the very last day, they visit the kitchens of every family and ride back to heaven on a koi who becomes a dragon once he reaches the clouds. Once they arrive, they account every family's gossip to the other gods. Oh, that's the happiest suicide i've ever heard of. i know <laughs> see all the koi stuff for legend um symbolism everything is yeah. all different types of uh, positivity that's why yeah. you see koi featured in so many uh asian uh, designs decorations cultures and why fish are so prevalent in asian culture being kept not only in ponds but you hear about the what's called the the dragon fish the asian arowana Mm -hmm. Those are federally illegal throughout the United States because uh, one fish can easily go as a starting base price of $2,000 all oh. the way up to 500000 plus. Wow. So, uh, yeah, a lot of these things. But, yeah, even koi fish, they're they're essentially symbolized for color, uh, their coloration. So you see a lot of, like the gold yeah. koi symbolized. So just going through some of these, and this is a generalistic because everybody has uh, light interpretations on it. So the black koi represents masculinity um, and also uh, signifies a patriarchal role. 
a gold koi symbolized prosperity and well-being in business. Generally, that's why you rise to the sky, that type of thing, where it's really done now in culture. Um, blue koi are associated with the, the role of the sun and represent tranquility. And red koi are strength and power, also recognized as the matriarchal koi. So there's like whole family scenarios where uh, lots of yeah. uh, history and positivity behind it. That's amazing. Yeah, th- it, it is wild how it, it, it makes sense. Like I, I like I said, I, I've, I've been aware of this myth for a long time, but I, it's been sort of like underplayed but it it is so important and there's there's like a deep ingrained sort of idea of this in in not in not just japan and china that's that's kind of primarily where it originates but in in all of asia as well um in southeast asia especially like the 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 koi fish the koi fish breeding and stuff like that it's just as important as as anywhere else um to specifically though the the word koi nishiki koi the these come from japanese readings of classical chinese word uh, japanese borrows a lot from chinese characters they'll usually just pronounce it differently but sometimes the character will be the exact same and funny enough in japanese uh the character for koi is a homophone for another character which means affection or love so rob's just like you said yeah it's it's very positive it's it's very affectionate um togetherness that sort of thing so when you have you know, you accidentally marry again, you kill yourself. <laughs> it's okay. You all turn into gods. So it works out in the end. I remember um, that one. <laughs> yeah. If you get remarried, it's okay. As long as y'all kill yourselves and turn to a God. Um, there, as far as like, I wanted to see though, if, if there was a, the oldest record and of course there's not you know anything uh there's some Jin dynasty stuff which is uh 266 ad which if you if you listen to our guan yu episode that's right after the han dynasty so this is after uh the han dynasty was a really it's a 400 year period very um golden age basically for china especially in the arts and things like that so right after that right after the golden age we have these uh koi references in art and culture and so it, it by this point by by the point of a golden age in china as far as culture it was important so you, we can say that i'm sure that the legend goes way beyond there or, or the, the importance of the koi goes way beyond that and in japan uh we talked about these before the nihon shoki uh or, or the chronicles of japan it's the oldest record it is kind of a cheat sheet record history book for japan uh this is uh, written in 720 ad though so not as ancient as you may want it to be but pretty damn ancient and the references are, are really ancient as well but it's kind of insane how important uh they've been and what i found um through uh, it, wikipedia i did mention i did find koi story but even a, a, a pokemon website called bulba news actually also gave me some, some fun <laughs> stuff um to talk about it uh the um the the world was actually like everywhere outside of asia was unaware of the the color the, the development of the color color variations until um 1914 during a exposition in tokyo so people weren't really even aware of the color variation until like 100 years ago basically and so you can imagine how it just sort of boomed as as the world's becoming smaller and, and more interconnected and already you know there's new species of this and that being discovered across the world but then they they realize this and so i can only imagine that just kind of helped compound the importance of of how koi fish trade would be and i was well, telling you, Cammy, go ahead sorry 
I was like, even speaking to the history of that. So yeah, I uh, try to do extensive uh, study of modern history of the aquaria and ponds, and yeah. especially in the Western market, right? So aquariums definitely started to uh, really become a thing in the 30s, right? Um, they started to do some trade with easier fish, generally cold water species, goldfish, uh, white cloud mountain minnows, not a lot of tropical species. So the only fish that they could get in, you know, pre-World War One and Two were some, you know, Chinese species. So that's oh, why yeah. you said in 1914, discovering a lot of the, the colors is really when they first started to dip into decoy. And even then it was much too big. The American populace was not ready f to do specialized uh ponds at the time so i think mm. what the coming was uh heritage um pastime from immigrants that were going into america that brought koi with them essentially that's and, cool and the hobby so we didn't get a lot of diversity until after world war ii when we had commercial flight to start bringing in different colors different options tropical species new methods of transporting live uh, aquaria and and these I, I've seen that they're they kind of um are considered a little invasive at times too though, right? Like they're not welcome everywhere. Koi are carp that are de right. decorative, honestly. So right. when goldfish or koi um get into a open area, they again, just like any other um Eurasian carp that we have here, they they spread and uh thrive in, in our climates. But right. I mean there's there's even some like historical details of how they, they transported some of the koi and carp. And you can kind of see why they got out. They were essentially held in these railroad cars with barrels. And the idea was you put the fish below and you just put blocks of ice above. As the car kept moving along, it would melt. Fresh water mm -hmm. go down, oxygenating the water and keeping the fish cool. Right. That's so crazy smart. System. That's wild. That's really, really cool. But yeah, so as that would go down the track, something would splash, a fish would fall out. Yeah. And you can see where problems would begin besides people just being you know negligent and throwing and then a dragon is flying in the background because that was <laughs> done poof i made a waterfall I made yeah <laughs> no that's great um yeah, the other i i mean of course yeah i mentioned it earlier magic harp uh world famous pokemon um and the website it, it's really kind of it the 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 whole idea of this pokemon really does encompass the idea because if if you don't know pokemon or even if you do i mean you have you have to think about you you catch them they're at a low level you know you level up your pokemon you, it it can't even fight like it can't even attack other pokemon until it's like level 15 and then it doesn't evolve into its its uh gyarados this dragon like beautiful like beast of a pokemon until i think 50 or something like that so you've got a toil and and all all the, the the one cool thing that the pokemon website um brought to my attention was the move that that uh magikarp is known for is famous for is splash and it just kind of flaps around it does nothing <laughs> right the, the funner part is well number one good on you for getting out your old game boy and dusting it off for homework oh yeah podcast. Uh, yeah. So, so bravo. But uh, secondly, I'm playing that as a kid because I I had like the red version, yellow version, you know, the earliest yeah. the, the stuff that just oh, came out. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. No one could understand like why in the world is Gyarados? He, he's water, right? He's a water water serpent. Why does he have flying? Well, that that's mm -hmm. totally explained by now he's a flying dragon. Right. Yeah. Because he achieved. I mean, like yeah, he 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 leapt. He achieved it, and he's yeah, flying dragon. That's what it is. Like he he's done it. I feel like 200 years from now, 
all Game Boy games are going to be uh, some sort of uh, mythology. <laughs> right? Are they not already? I know. <laughs> I don't know. Infamous, maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's. I. I just. I. I like the the persistence of it the most. Um, how how they just really went with it. Uh, there's some other kind of ideas. Um, one funny thing too, though, is like even in in Japan, um, the the word. Uh, or like the character for the attack splash it can also mean to hop and so it just further kind of shows like you're you you catch this magikarp and it has to splash and or hop and hop and hop and hop and hop all the way up until it gets to a gyarados a dragon and so i just that the persistence of that myth like in a in a game like this um they really like brought it to life and i i just absolutely love that uh i i it was wild to kind of connect all these pieces together. And, and again, like this, this, I always knew that this was a, a myth, but I, I never, I never realized it, its age and, and really the tangibility of its age too, um, in China, in Japan, but all over Asia. And so it's really cool. And I, I was telling Cami, I'm sure Google is going to be suggesting me fish buying websites the next couple of weeks because of all the research I've done. But yeah, I didn't I, I, like the website you mentioned several websites. Yeah. You can just, I can order Koi right now. Just click, click, boom. Done man. Yeah. It's insane. I didn't realize that it was going to be that, that easy to buy Koi expensive. You know, the, the, the Koi trade is, uh, is, is pretty fun. I've had, uh, myself some, uh, two and a half foot Koi, you know, they, <laughs> they get, uh, 40 inches easy. Oh, wow. Absolutely. Then, uh, Actually, I brought another story with me because, again, I'm not the yeah, absolutely that focuses on uh, mythologies and legends mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm a tangible facts guy. Yeah. Right? So why don't I give you like a real life legend? Right. Something yeah. that I know. We are ready. Sure <laughs> so um, this is the story of uh, Hanako, the world's oldest koi. So Hanako, from what they can date, um, was born somewhere in the spring of 1751 A.D. Mm. Right. Um, soon a uh, after harvesting him, um, hold on here. Oh, excuse me. The monsoon season. So it would be spring, summer. They, they, they carbon dated this stuff. So it was really, uh, wow. really crazy. So this fish and the reason they got it uh, so much is koi in uh, Japan, specifically in a lot of other Asian countries. Um, they live so long that they're generally handed down and they're part of the estate. So there's not a lot of territory, just like in some certain states in the United States, not a lot of territory to, you know, purchase your own property. It's, you know, housing rates are very expensive when you have a very small island and very dense population, mm -hmm. you know, home plots get handed down. So right. when you have a family koi pond, generally those fish float from family member to family member of whoever's taking care of the property. Now, in this situation, um, Hanako was one of the family members favorite koi. And died in 17, or excuse me, 1977 on the 7th of July. So 7777. Wow. That sounds really lucky. Right? So that estimates <laughs> at about 226 years of age. That's crazy. Now, one would ask, how in the world could they identify this? So yeah. what they did is people are familiar with uh, rings on, on a tree, right? You yeah. got a tree and a half, you see the rings and that it gives you a, some sort of clock to not only see hard times and good times, but also see how many years it's been alive. Mm -hmm. So with Koi, because of carp, they pull a scale and they're able to send it into a lab and essentially count the rings to a um, quarter year 
of accuracy. Oh, cool. So they were able to determine that this koi, again, was that immense amount of age, 226 years of age. That's insane. Can you and, imagine like the Mr. Bean episode of like he visits Japan and accidentally kills the 200 year old boy? That's all. Like, he oh, that would be terrible. Out, like a Diet Coke in it. And it like, <laughs> I don't know. It'd be awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's wild but, that it made it that long. But yeah, just to like give people perspective on this, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's It was a beautiful red koi and very hardy. Now, koi are generally judged by... Uh, coloration and competitions and, and whatnot but the the difference between a good coin and a bad coin is not necessarily the pattern but how it keeps its youthful beauty kind of like us you know once some people go past 35 they start going downhill koi you know they get much past eight years old and it's down the toilet they go so koi um imagine you're drawing a picture and you put a black line over uh red paint you can clearly see the definition between the red the black and there's no bleed over that mm -hmm. is a, a beautiful, youthful koi that has youthful beauty, and they want to see that go into the eighth year to see how good that koi is. And if it's able to hold that without blending or fading the colors, that can be a very expensive koi. So this koi, they have pictures of this um, before it died, mm -hmm. and beautiful red koi. And you can see just like a kind of like a dog or even humans, they get gray. This koi just has a melded, almost white silver color across its whole body and tips of fins. The colors are just milky into the entire body, but again, beautifully uh, mm. kept fish. And there's no growths, you know, like even grandma's got gout. This fish did not have that. Wow. <laughs> but just to give a bit of perspective, um, historical age of the koi, all these happened. The French Revolution, <laughs> world yeah. passing 1 billion. Now it's 7.5, 7.7 billion, somewhere in there. Yeah. Uh, Napoleon was defeated in Waterloo. Right, the abolishment of uh, slavery of 1865 in uh, European countries. Thomas Edison inventing the light bulb, first and second world war. Neil Armstrong hitting the moon, and even rocking with Elvis and the Beatles. Right. Wow. That's uh, even James Cook discovering Australia snuck in there towards the very yeah. beginning of its age. That's crazy. Wait, so Henneke was around for. For yeah, finding the Europeans finding Australia and JFK's assassination. So, isn't that just blow your mind? That that's like <laughs> that's a insane. beginning and end right there. Yeah, that's that's a, <laughs> that's insane. That's wild. And, and, what's the average lifespan of a koi? Can I put you on the spot with that? Or well, how how long would I expect one to live? People expect koi to last as um, like a common goldfish. I, I'd say anywhere from thirty to forty five years. Cool. Okay. The so, problem yeah, our... is that most of the people, how are they going to keep a fish that long and hand it down, you know, lineage after lineage to a lot of transporting, yeah. change of food? The probability of you keeping a koi that long and keeping it sustained, you know, for that many uh, hundreds of years, crazy, right? Like right. Tur turtles, they don't take a lot of uh, maintenance. Not that koi take a lot of maintenance either, but they're not, you don't have to have a pond. Right. You, know, you have these massive Galapagos tortoises for hundred, uh, you know, hundred and I forget what oh, yeah. sixty years they got one map because they have no right. idea the lifespan of these things. So as long as the conditions are kept, who knows how long these fish could live? Yeah, they actually suspect that uh, due to the old age that it probably died of uh, too much protein in its diet at an old age, going in from spring to winter. So koi uh... have no stomach. They wow. They can eat food every 30 minutes and keep eating food forever. 
So they, they have a very low digestive system and they rummage and eat 24 hours a day. So because of this, that's nice in the, <laughs> in the uh, uh, spring and summer months, more protein in the winter months, you have less protein because they're just not digesting as much because they're cold. In fact, once they get 45, 50 degrees, they don't eat at all. They essentially hibernate and there's no, there's not a lot of digestion at all. So you want to always rotate how you do food between um, uh, high protein and low protein between seasons. And how so to have it down like to a, a schedule looks like. Oh, yeah. People have automated feeders. Right. Um, in fact, some uh, in the summer don't even feed because there's so much uh, to eat in the pond mm. that grow automatically. Not necessarily algae, but just like daphnia, microbacteria, um, bugs. There's a lot of food there. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, automatic feeders are pretty common. But you know, being over two centuries old, um, trying to transition from, uh, you know, winter diet to summer can be, can be hard. God, that's wild. You, and you just imagine like, what, like who, what would the family have thought, like waking up, seeing Hanukkah dead and be like, I knew granddad shouldn't have bought that cell phone. Like, it's oh, they, <laughs> they have pictures and you know, it's, uh, that's great though. Even if they said it was, you know, eating too uh, much, uh, high protein food, um, I don't necessarily believe that after, you know, two and a half centuries, uh, I bet they had it down. I, I don't yeah. think that anything happened. Even uh, I'm trying to remember the 2000, um, 2019 ja uh, Japan Koi show. Um, we they had one of the uh, champions there um, became grand champion, I believe. And a year later died because of too much protein in the diet. Oh, wow. Wow. Can you imagine um, having the grand champion Koi worth probably in excess of a hundred thousand yeah. dollars and then I just dying that. a year later, like not living hard and fast as a Koi fish. Jeez. That's gotta amazing. Got to keep them off the, uh, you know, cocaine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Hanukkah, stop. It's not stop. the 80s. It's not That's... the 80s anymore. <laughs> the 1880s. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, Rob's, Thank you so much. This has been this is you you hit the nail on the head as far as like the goal of the show. We we're not trying to like go as talk about Hanako's birthplace and her how she lived, but we want to scratch the surface on a lot of things. And you helped us with your expertise on fish um, go even a little bit deeper. So whoever's listening definitely can walk out of this with a little more coin knowledge than, than before and magic harp knowledge <laughs> refined as well. Um, so thank you so much again for coming on the show and, and talking with us and uh, providing us a story as well. It's my pleasure. And I better be back when Moby Dick gets talked about. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We could do <laughs> That's that. A great one. That's a really good one. Yeah. I do want to, I very uh, mistakenly did not go over my source. So I use the website, really? um, Saigonier.com, and it was the story of Ongtal and the kitchen god who rides a carp to heaven. That's awesome. And thank you, Cami, as always, for your wonderful stories. Uh, guys, I, I think that just about covers today's episode. Again, Rob's from the Aquarium Guys podcast is he was here and regaled us with a wonderful story of the koi fish and the dragon. Please uh, take a look at his show. It is quite nice, especially if you have fish, but even if you don't, there's some laughs there to be had. Uh, if for mystery, you know, every week we hit every Wednesday. You can join us on our Facebook groups, one of the best ways, but we're also on Twitter and Instagram and all that fun jazz. 
I think that covers it, right, Cammy? Did I forget something? I think that's about it. Awesome. Sorry, we're we're going to get your Patreon set up this next week. So we yeah. <laughs> Threadless, mystery.threadless.com. Get your mystery uh, face mask and skateboard now. There you go. <laughs> well, uh, again, thanks everyone for being here. And um, everyone, we will see you next time. Oh, and Rob, we, yeah, we, we howl at the end of our show. Oh, no. Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah. Like a wolf? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh. oh okay. I, I did too much. <laughs>